What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Hang Time Headlines. This is your host, John, here. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about NFL, touch on some of the preseason games, as well just talking about the Bears and what a good season looks like for them this year. And I was just going to touch on, lastly, a little bit on the Kawhi Leonard contract. He just signed a three-year extension plus a player option at the end of it for $176 million. So I'll give you my thoughts on that. Before we get into it, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. We're really trying to rack up that sub count on YouTube. We're almost at 1,000, so we would appreciate it if you hit that red sub button, click the notification bell, find out when we're posting our video so you don't miss a thing. Thank you. So let's get into it. Check the stats, dog. I can see the future with my mask on. Big hang time. I'm a blast off. So the preseason is now officially in full swing. You got the actual first weekend filled with games. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, and Sunday. I wanted to touch on the New England Patriots game that happened against the uh, the Washington football team last night. There's a known QB competition going on in New England. You have the reasonably new QB who started all of last year, Cam Newton. And then you got the future quarterback of the New England Patriots, Mac Jones. And the question really is, is is Mac Jones ready for the kind of responsibility that it takes to be a starter in this league, especially for one for the most historic franchises in the history of the game? And I, and I got to say, he was, I thought Mac Jones was reasonably good in his debut. I'm not going to say that my eyes were glued to the screen and that he was must-watch TV, there were times I tuned out, but honestly, he seemed pretty poised inside the pocket. He didn't seem to get rattled all that much. The only time I saw him like rattled was when he missed a couple throws, one very specifically, and he was mad at himself, but I'll get into that in a second. For the most part, he wasn't really doing anything spectacular, but he was playing smart, conservative football. And I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. I think it's what you would expect from a rookie who's not exactly the playmaker on the ground and really makes his money throwing good, accurate passes. And the stats really show that. I think he was something like 13 of 19 for 85 yards. So you can just tell by doing the math that, I mean, he's not chucking the ball down the field or he's not completing passes down the field, like a crazy amount. But he hit the throws that he needed to. They won the game. And there were two very specific attempts that happened during the game where, if completed, it would have made his stats look a hell of a lot better. And they were two pretty damn good throws. The first of the two passes, which I, which I saw, that were, which I was pretty impressed by, was this one running out to his left, throwing a cross body, and he through almost the perfect pass to this to the small, I think, second-year wide receiver, Gunnar Oshevsky. It was maybe a, a, a foot, half a foot at, at the most, just out in front of Gunnar. And he, he, he tried to get it to his credit. And if he was just a little bit taller, he probably could have reeled it in or at least give him, given himself a decent chance to. But... Ultimately, it was overthrown by Mac Jones, and that's a tough throw, but it was really, really, really close. So that caught my eye. And then he also threw the dime of all dimes to this undrafted rookie. I don't know his name. It probably should have been a touchdown pass, but 
there was great defense being played on him, and he just dropped the football. It was a catchable ball for sure, but it was a tough one, so give him some credit. We also got to see a pretty fun 90-plus yard run by this undrafted rookie. I think he's the fourth-string rookie. But because of that, I think he might be signed, which is kind of cool. It's pretty sick. It was, it's, it's kind of this big, burly running back who's probably like 230, 240 pounds. He broke a couple tackles to do it. Overall, was not a terrible game. I was pretty pleased. It was good to see some kind of football, even if it wasn't regular season or postseason. And overall, I was not too upset with how Mac Jones played. I thought he outperformed Cam last night. Granted, Cam only had like two series and Mac Jones had five. But it's nothing that's earth-shattering. It's not going to change the narrative right now in terms of who's going to be the starting QB for the Patriots. But it's something that I was not displeased to see when it comes to the Patriots' future. Moving on to another NFL team, I was just thinking about a couple of the teams in the NFL whose coach is on the hot seat. And I kept going back to Matt Nagy, but in my heart of hearts, it just does not feel like he should be on the hot seat. I tend to be on the side of Matt Nagy in that I think he's a really good coach. And he is frankly, just been stuck with Mitch Trubisky for the last four years. And so he has not been able to reach his full potential. He has not been able to elevate his team to its highest potential because they've had some really good defensive pieces over the years. And I think, honestly, that most of it was Mitch Trubisky holding him back. I mean, he did everything as good. They made the playoffs twice with someone who was undoubtedly a bottom five QB every single year that he was a starting QB. And so just thinking about this upcoming year, just I've, I've been seeing stuff, you know, in the Twitter in the Twitter sphere that this could potentially be the end of Matt Nagy's run in Chicago if they don't end up making the playoffs this year, but I feel like Justin Fields might counter that a little bit. Like say they go something like 10-7 and seven behind Justin Fields for most of the year and miss the playoffs. Say that is what happens. Like that, I would give Matt Nagy his credit for taking a rookie and doing that with him. And I would, I would hope that they would give him at least one more year with Justin Fields to really try to see what his potential is. But let's just say, for the sake of this conversation, that Matt Nagy's getting fired next year if, if they don't make the playoffs. What do you do if you're in his position? Because if I'm him, I know that Andy Dalton ain't it. He just simply is not. He is a QB that does not instill fear in the opposing defense. There's absolutely nothing special about him, and the other teams know it. Everyone in this league knows it. So how soon do you put in Justin Fields to try to make this playoff run a reality? And I was just looking at their schedule, and I don't think you're going to find a much better time than week four. Because if you're just looking at it, first week, Rams. That is a cluster F, all right? You're going to face one of the uh, one of the top pass rushers in the game, Aaron, Aaron Donald, if not the best. And then you got Jalen Ramsey, who's easily a top five corner. So Allen Robinson is going to have a tough time. He's your, easily your best wide receiver, and you're going to get your ass rushed constantly by Aaron Donald. You don't want to put him you don't want to put him in. Let let Andy Dalton take the brunt of that. And then you got the Bengals. 
let Andy Dalton play his former team. I'm okay with that. There's nothing really crazy. You got Trey Hendrickson now. So could be a half-decent pass rush. But you know what? That's I don't think that's where you put him in. You want to give Andy Dalton a little bit more time. You want to give Justin Fields a little bit more time to learn the offense. Make sure he's really solid before come, before throwing him into the fire. And then next week, you got the Browns. I don't, I don't think I need to explain to you guys how good Miles Garrett is. And granted, their defense outside of that is not crazy, crazy, but it's definitely middle of the pack and capable of eating you alive, especially if he, especially, especially if you have a bad O line and Miles Garrett just starts eating, crashing on the edge and just completely taking you down. So I say, again, let Andy Dalton eat that sack. I don't think you can find a better week than week four when you're going up against the Lions. The Lions are maybe a 1-16 team this year. They're really, really bad. Jared Goff is, let's just say I don't think he's Super Bowl Jared Goff. I don't think he's anywhere near that. I don't think the coaching is anywhere near Sean McVay. So yeah, I say you throw him into the Lions because that is a terrible defense, a terrible offense, gives you a nice little padded entry at home against arguably the worst team in the NFL. You can't ask for anything better than that. And then the week after that, you're traveling, you're going to the Raiders. The Raiders have a negative pass rush, like absolutely none, worst in the NFL last year. I mean, they got a really good off, they got a really good playmaker on offense in, in Darren Waller, but other than that, that team is buns, absolute buns. You can beat them. That's two weeks where you can get your rookie quarterback comfortable and ready. And then eventually, and then the week after that, you got the Packers who are no joke, and you're probably going to lose. But still, I don't think you can ask for a better time while also trying to make the playoffs because I think if you just decide that you're going to play Andy Dalton for half to more than half of the year, you've just resigned to not making the postseason because you're not going to do it with Andy Dalton. Switching to the NBA now, Kawhi Leonard, who was a free agent this offseason, just signed a three-year extension with one year as a player option worth $176 million. Now, I'm not going to say that he's not worth that money because he's a really, really, really great player. He's a top 5, 10 player in this league when he's fully healthy. He's one of the more clutch players in the NBA when it comes to playoff time. The thing is, I know that that was the right move for the Clippers because you're not going to get another superstar and you're not going to do anything when Paul George is your best player. You're not going to do anything long-term in the postseason. I know it was the right move for the Clippers because they have to lock down a superstar like Kawhi. But I just don't know how I... I just don't particularly like it. Other than that title run when he was with the Raptors on that one-year deal, there doesn't seem to be a time when he really stayed completely healthy through the playoffs. Other than last year, and he blew a 3-1 lead to the Nuggets, so that's an even worse ending. On top of that, he always load manages when he has the slightest tweak in his body. It's not something that I like to see from a player. I like to see them fight through it. It's kind of like a little bit of an of a opposite to Russell Westbrook. You know, Russell will 
he'll hurt himself unless he's unless he's majorly hurt. He's gonna just gonna play through it, no matter what it is. He's gonna give it his all, and that all may be really really ugly, but at least you know he's trying, even if he's hurt it, even if he's really really hurt. And I'm not gonna deny that Kawhi has insane skills because he absolutely does. He's a top five defensive player in this game. He's not the most gifted offensive player, but he's worked a lot at it, and he's definitely a top, you know, 15, top 20 offensive player, no doubt. But it's really that dual threat that makes him so versatile, especially in the playoffs. But now that you have him signed, you have Paul George, you got your two stars, they still have not fixed the point guard problem. That was the entire issue last year and the year before that. They didn't have somebody who was a primary playmaker to orchestrate the offense and take that responsibility away from Kawhi and Paul George. That's a responsibility that they didn't need and it didn't necessarily come naturally to them even though at times they were spectacular at it. I know the Clippers were in the Lonzo Ball sweepstakes and maybe they were closer than we think, but ultimately they didn't sign him. The Bulls got him. I thought that would have been really cool if he were to end, end up on the Clippers, you know, going back to L.A. for Lonzo. That's really the piece that, you, that most people seem to think that the Clippers are missing. And so now you got to look at this next offseason. You can't seriously think that you're going to be title contenders because you're going to want to make sure that Kawhi comes back totally healthy and he's most of all going to want that because he doesn't play hurt as I as I mentioned earlier. So I think you've got to look at this as a as a not quite a development year, but a hey, we're still here guys. Just just wait till next year. We're gonna kick all of your asses. And then you just gotta hope that Trey Man not Trey Man, you gotta hope that Terrence Mann takes another step like he did at the end of last year and in the playoffs. He had some seriously good moments, and I, th- I think it was that game six of, of the Utah Jazz series where he dropped 40 and closed him out. It was seriously impressive stuff, and he was a little bit inconsistent, but what rookie is not? I think you got to really hope for that. If he can become a third scoring option or even a second scoring option to, point to Paul George, then Kawhi, when he comes back, can really just put most of his effort into the defensive end, and if he's, you know, a, an, a, you know, I don't want to say 16 points. That seems a little low. If he's like an 18 to 22 point scorer, if Kawhi is, Terrence Manns jumps into the in low 20s and Paul George in, you know, 25-ish range, that could be awesome because Terrence Mann really showed that he would be able to score like that if necessary. And you just got to hope the best because you did give up all your picks to the OKC trade for Paul George. You don't have the draft capital, so you got to hope that what you have right now is solid enough for for a good long while. Anyway, congrats to Kawhi on getting signed. He is now an even bigger multi-multi-multi-multi-multi-millionaire. Get your bread, man. That's it for me. Let me know what you guys think down in the comments. Thank you all for listening. I hope you have a great day. Balling crazy with the hang time.